Good morning, everyone. Uh, a very, very warm welcome to you all here in the building, and a very warm welcome if you're watching online. It's great that you've been able to join us here this morning. Uh, this morning, Colin is going to be continuing our Easter Psalm series, and this morning he'll be unpacking Psalm 115 and closing with an a cappella singing of Psalm 115, which I'm sure we'll all look forward to. Now, before we start, let's just take a moment to, to ready ourselves uh, for the service. You know, we've come here this morning to worship the one true living God, and uh, we do that as a gathered body. Uh, to bless our Heavenly Father, uh, but also to encourage one another. So as we ready ourselves to worship God uh, in word, in prayer and song, let's just take a moment to close our eyes, to bow our heads and to still our hearts. Just to take a moment to draw our heart's gaze away from the things that are around us, uh, the pressures, uh, the busyness, and allow your gaze to fall on God. Father God, we thank you for this time to gather as your people. We pray that you would meet with each one of us this morning. Pray you would lift our hearts as we gather and by your spirit draw us close to yourself so that we might know you with us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our focus in the service is uh, now going to turn to prayer and the reading and preaching of God's word. Uh, Shaz is going to come up and lead us in our prayers. Uh, then Isabel will bring us our reading and then Colin will bring us, oh, he'll unpack the word for us. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we praise you for your son Jesus who gave himself for us and has drawn us together, Lord, as a church family this morning. We thank you that we can all be here this morning, Heavenly Father, praising your name. And we really pray that you would speak to us this morning, Lord. Pray that as your word is opened up, Heavenly Father, that it would come alive in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that we would go out from church this morning and we would go into the week Whatever that looks like for us, Lord, whether we go into work, whether we stay at home with our families, Lord, whether we're retired, whether we go to school, Lord, whatever it may be, I pray that we would go out this week and look more like Jesus in those places because of because of what you teach us this morning, Heavenly Father, when your word is opened up. Please speak to us this morning, Lord. And we, we really lift up those this morning. Heavenly Father, those of our church family who we love and can't be with us this morning because of ill health or because they're recovering from stints in hospital and operations and things like that, Lord, we just pray that you would meet with them in their homes this morning, pray that you would restore them quickly so they can be back with us here as part of our family here at physically worshipping again, Lord, but may they know your peace this morning, may they know that we love them, that you love them above all, and that we're, we're thinking of them, Lord, we miss them, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, yeah, bring your peace to them this morning, Lord, and we, we really pray for Neil and Liz as well this morning, who are still on their sabbatical we, we thank you so much for them lord we pray that you will be refreshing them at this time heavenly father and we pray that you would be keeping them safe as they travel here and there lord and and yeah wherever they are this morning pray that you would you would meet with them and bless them as well Heavenly Father, we really, we cry out to you, Lord, um, for an end to the conflict that's happening in Ukraine. And we really ask that you would bring peace 
and practical help to the to the many refugees and families who are suffering at this time, Lord, who have lost loved ones through this war. Uh, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the work of Pastor Julian in Romania, um, the church there who are, who are connected to the, their church in Ukraine. And we pray that the supplies that they intend to send to their brothers and sisters in Ukraine, Lord, would get there. And we pray that those supplies can be used uh, to help those who need it most, Heavenly Father, and uh, above all, that those, those supplies can be used to show the love of Christ uh, to the people there, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the gift day that we had here. We pray that, that all that was given would be would be used well for your work, Heavenly Father. And uh, we also pray for northern Nigeria, Lord. We've heard that there's been some some attacks on that area where John and Abby are, and we pray for, for an end to those attacks, Lord. And we pray uh, for your protection over John and Abby and the work that they do there. And we pray that your word would continue to go out in that area boldly, Lord, despite these difficult circumstances. And yeah, above all, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us now, Heavenly Father, as your word is opened up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Bible reading this morning is Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to, na- but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people Israel He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and evermore. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Isabel. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would help us to see you in your glory uh, this morning uh, through your word that our hearts would uh, let go of the things that we cling to and that we would set set our minds and our hearts on you, that we would praise you and bring you glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the relationship between uh, the things that we do and God's glory? That is, the things that we trust in and the glory of God. 
Like, what do we trust in during challenging or perhaps stressful times? Maybe as you watch the news, it speaks of nothing but crisis, one after the other. What is it that you're trusting in in that moment? When your colleagues just seem to do nothing but gossip, how do you respond? What do you trust in in that moment? When you're anxious about things maybe in your own life or maybe in your family's life, what are you trusting in? Or perhaps when you fail an exam or don't get the grades that you might like, or maybe you lose your job and you're not sure what's next, or maybe some friends at school ask you to do something and you don't want to do that, or maybe just you feel lonely and you think that the Lord's simply forgotten you. What do you trust in in that moment? Because what we trust in, what we consistently turn to in our lives, will reveal who gets the glory from our lives. We'll either give God the glory or we'll steal it from him. And that's why this psalm opens up with the beautiful words of praise and even confession. Praise and confession as it says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Psalm 115 is a gorgeous psalm, and it's the third of four in our Easter psalm series as we continue through it. And these are songs that Jesus and his disciples would have sung um, just around the Passover meal. Psalm 115 is traditionally sung after the Passover meal. Um, It's a psalm of praise and thanksgiving for God's people as they remember what the Lord has done in saving uh, his people out of slavery in Egypt. And as it is with many psalms, the, the start and the end tie together. And so do other parts. In that sense, if you're to think of the structure, the structure is a little bit like a cheeseburger. Verse 1 to verse 3 and 16 to 18 pair together like the bun, the top and the bottom. And then there's the cheese, uh, the cheese on the top and the bottom of the burger, which are the, the sections 4 to 8 and 9 to 15, as they contrast one another. And then there's the meat, sorry vegans, there's meat in the middle, between verse 8 and 9, as the big question is, who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in idols? Or are you trusting in the Lord? Which leads us to think about how we bring glory to God as we trust in the Lord alone. We trust in him alone as three, three things, really. Our God is in heaven. And we trust in the Lord alone Because idols deaden us. And we trust in the Lord alone because the Lord makes us flourish. And so we trust in the Lord alone as our God is in heaven. In the opening verse, the psalmist wants to lift God's people's gaze to the Lord, to praise his holy name. A more literal translation is to say, not on account of us, Lord, not on account of us, but because of who you are, be the glory. And why should we bring him glory? Because of the love of God, because of the the Lord's love and faithfulness. And it's not just that the Lord carries these qualities, but that the Lord is these qualities, that he is love and he is faithful. 
And he's shown himself to be that by rescuing his people out of slavery in Egypt. As despite their continual unfaithfulness to him, he keeps his promises to them. Therefore, as you look at the structure of the bun, both in verse 1 and in verse 18, the the hearers of the psalm are called to praise the Lord. They're called to extol him both now and forevermore. For, for who the Lord is and for who he's shown himself to be to his people. But after the opening verse there, you see in verse 2, it almost looks like the psalmist takes a bit of a tangent. As he goes off and says, why do the nations say, where is their God? As God's people are being hit by questions from the surrounding nations, from the unbelieving nations around them, as they ask, well, where is your God then? If he's so powerful, why can't we see him? And this is a hard question for the Israelites as they've really experienced the ecstasy of having been delivered out of Egypt. They've seen the power of God at work in miraculous miracles in opening the sea so that they could enter uh, into the promised land. And in first, uh, Psalm 114, it speaks of that very thing. The, the creation itself trembles as they see the power of God. All of a sudden, from that position, they start to have doubts. And they start to have doubts because they don't see the power of God at work. And for us, perhaps, that can be the, sa- the same too. That maybe, perhaps you're a young Christian... And you've had a radical conversion, a really powerful conversion, but perhaps now the Christian life seems a little bit dull and quite difficult. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for many years and he just seems quite distant from you at the moment. Because as the non-believers looking on ask questions, so too as Christians, we can ask questions like, where is God? Where is God in the middle of a war? Where is God as our bills begin to rise? Where is God when I get sick or my parents get sick? Where is God if I lose my job? Where is he if I have anxiety or depression? Where is he um, if I just feel like I'm despairing? If I feel like I've been forgotten? Where is the Lord? And even the psalmist, he then answers their question, perhaps even the question in his own heart. He answers it with truth as he says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. As the liberating truth is that God is in control. He reigns over everything. He is in control and we are not. We can't arm wrestle him into submitting to our plans and our purposes. But rather, he uses all the circumstances in our lives, sometimes even to break us, that he would remold us and transform us more into his likeness. And so that we can trust in his sovereign plans and purposes. Because the Lord is not restricted or restrained. He is totally free and needs nothing from us. He is the Lord of all creation and totally unlike us. He is he's not like a man that needs food or a car that needs fuel. But rather he is totally self-sufficient, invisible, eternal, and all-powerful, who reigns over all things. God reigns over everything. And he does whatever whatever pleases him. I once remember uh, when I was in Italy seeing a sign 
on a wall of a, uh, the president of a, a Catholic school in Italy, which read, God exists and you're not him. Relax. <laughs> Very good for a school president, I'm sure. And once we truly grasp that, once we truly grasp that the Lord is in control and we are not, then we can have peace. We can give our burdens to him. We can enjoy the peace that only he gives. As it says in verse 16 and 17, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the human race to praise him. As wonderfully in his grace, he gives us his creation. As it says in Genesis 1, God made us in his image to have dominion over all creation, to multiply and to fill the earth. And that by filling the earth, we would in fact glorify God. That because we're made in his image, we're made to reflect his character and reflect his glory in the world. As our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. And so after answering who our God is, the obvious question which bounces back is, well, what's your God like? What's the God of the nations like? As we think about how we must trust in the Lord alone, because idols deaden us. In comparing what the Lord is like and what the gods of the nations are like, the contrast is really stark. As our God in, is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him, but their idols, as it says, are silver and gold made by human hands. The contrast is the God who needs nothing versus the idols which are man-made. And this is the clear picture of idolatry because we can look around at perhaps other religions that bow down to man-made uh, shrines or statues or perhaps even we can be tempted to pray to, to bow down to pictures or photos of deceased people. And then we don't start worshipping the Lord of heaven. We're worshipping an idol. And the psalmist describes what idols like this are like by saying from verse 5 to 7, They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell hands but cannot feel feet but cannot walk nor can they utter a sound with their throats in other words it might look like they are very alive but they are totally dead and lifeless and the psalmist says in verse 8 those who make them will be just like them because the lord needs nothing from us he is totally independent of us he made all things and he gives us life but idols ask everything from us and they take life from us because instead of making us wiser idolatry makes us foolish instead of providing life it takes it one clear illustration of that in our day right now is sexuality that's where the Lord says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness we created them. In idolatry, the order is inverted. And man plays God, saying, let me make man in my image. In my image, I created them. Rather than receiving our identity from God 
as the creator, as the one who has made us in his image with dignity and worth, both male and female, we decide within ourselves who we will be. And that doesn't lead to human flourishing, but only future problems. By choosing our own gender, it doesn't make us more human. It actually makes us less human. Because it robs us of our dignity. The dignity that we are made in the image of God. With value and purpose and meaning. Because we receive it from him. We're made in his image. Not in our own image. And the more that we pursue that idol. The more lifeless we actually become. The call then is not to trust in the idols of the day. That take life from us but to trust in the Lord who gives life to us. Perhaps for many of us, though, we can easily say, yes, I trust in the Lord. I don't really have a problem with idols. But we do have to have a a moment of honest reflection with ourselves. What are the things that our hearts yearn for the most? And how do we respond when something happens to those things in our lives? Maybe... If we think about it, maybe if you have a nice coffee machine and it breaks down and you cry, what are we going to do now? Some people might cry French press, uh, hopefully. Otherwise, they could say instant coffee, but uh, I wouldn't agree. But seriously, though, when it comes to the real things, the real things that make us get up in the morning, not just coffee, what are the things that drive our affections, that drive our heart, that are our core motivations? As Martin Luther says, whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God, your functional savior. For you, perhaps it's the idol of control, of being in control, to have everything going the way it's supposed to go, to have nothing unexpected happen in your life, that things must go the way that you want. And if they don't, well, you get angry. Or perhaps the idol is that of status, to be thought well of by other people. And therefore, you don't want to let someone down. And you might be tempted either to not say something that you should, or perhaps even to lie to them. Because you trust more in what they think of you than what the Lord thinks of you. Or maybe your idol could be your family, could be your children. As obviously you love your children, what parent doesn't? And yet your emotions are so woven into them that your whole emotional and spiritual life is directly connected to how they are. If they go well, you go great. If they go badly, you despair. Perhaps the idol of your heart is your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse. As you gaze at them in awe and admiration and think, you complete me, all of a sudden, that starts to fade. Because as Tim Keller says, if you look to some created thing to give you meaning, to give you hope and happiness, that that only God himself can give, it will eventually fail to deliver and break your heart. Because we're not made to carry that load that only the Lord can carry. As Keller goes on to say that, If you get married and put the weight of your deepest hopes and longings on the person you are marrying, you are going to crush him or her with your expectations. 
It will distort your life and your spouse's life in a hundred ways. No person, not even the best one, can carry that burden. As only one person can carry that, our Lord Jesus. Only he can carry that weight. Because you become like what you worship. As if your greatest affection is for anything or anyone other than the Lord, then they will at some point disappoint you. And this is especially true when it comes to a spouse. As Sinclair Ferguson says, we must have a vault in our hearts where not even our spouse or even our children can get to. And in that vault, we must keep the love of Jesus. Keep it locked up so that no one and nothing can reach it. That Jesus would be the treasure of our hearts above all else. Because if we trust in idols, they will steal life from us and deaden us. But the Lord makes us flourish. The cheese and the cheeseburger is the contrast between the idols and the Lord. But the meat in the burger is the contrast seen in verse 8 and 9. Between those who trust in the Lord and become vain, lifeless and dead and those who trust, sorry, those who trust in idols and become vain, lifeless and dead and those who trust in the Lord and flourish. As the psalmist calls on three groups of people from verse 9 to 11, the Israelites, the house of Aaron and those who fear him. He calls on all of them to trust in the Lord. In other words, anyone from anywhere who fears the Lord, who fears God, should trust in him. Because as the psalmist repeats three times, he is their help and shield. He gives the image of the Lord who fights for us. He gives us, he gives us that image. The Lord who fights for us, who protects us, and who provides for us. And that's true for us today as Christians, as the Lord Jesus is with us, he goes before us. And therefore, whatever we may be facing, whatever trials or temptations we may be facing, that he is truly with us. It might be a a hospital appointment. It could be a, a big job interview. Or perhaps even the next question of what is next in life. But we need not fear. We need not fear as the Lord is with us. He is our help and our shield in whatever trial we may be facing. The Lord is with us. And he will not only be with us, but he will bless us. Because as it says, uh, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. As in Exodus 2, it takes that language of being remembered. The Lord remembered the covenant with his people, the, the relationship with them that he had made with them. And therefore, as we saw in Psalm 113, the Lord stoops down to save his people. He will bless all those who fear him, both the small and the great, because he shows no partiality. He will bless anyone who reveres him, who holds him in high esteem. Anyone who trusts in the Lord will not only be blessed, but will flourish. They'll flourish because no matter what happens in their life, no matter what events may come, they can call on the Lord of heaven who hears them. But you can picture the nations, that is, the non-believers looking on and saying, well, you silly people. It's not the Lord that brings life. It's these idols that we made. These bring life. 
Why don't you just come and worship with us? And as you think back to the story of Israel in the Old Testament, that is their story, is it not? That the Lord redeems them out of slavery in Egypt, and yet time and time again, they go back and they worship the things of the other nations. And yet, at times we can do the very same thing, can't we? We can drift into the idols that are surrounded in our, that, are, that surround us in our culture. The idols of all those people in our lives. All the things in our lives. And that certainly was true of my life. That was true of my life before I came to know the Lord. Because in one way, in one sense, I thought I had made it. I'd made it playing professional rugby, traveling the world with a great girl, treated like royalty wherever you went. You were held in high esteem in every conversation. And I thought that was it. That it was the real deal. But actually I was sold a fake. I thought being successful and achieving all the goals and all the dreams would be the path to success, the path to peace. But as soon as one season ended, another one began. As soon as you won one trophy, you were back training a few days later. It never fulfilled. It never gave the life that it promised. Because idols never really do fulfill. They always leave you wanting more. And so... We, we might be tempted at times to think, well, that, that might be true of you, but that's not true of me. I want to, I might turn back to them. I'm tempted to turn back to them because I think they might promise more. And they do promise a lot, but they always leave us empty. They leave us emptier and more anxious than before. And so we ask, we ask as the, the nations that where, where is our God? Where is the Lord in all of this? Well, our God is in heaven. And he does whatever he pleases. And in his love, he steps down into our sinful and idol-filled lives. As Jesus displays his love and his faithfulness to us. As after having the Passover meal, singing this psalm, he goes out and he walks to the cross. He walks to his death to those who pin him to the cross, who are still clinging to their idols, calling down curses on him. But on the third day, he rose again. He rose again that whoever would trust in him would be set free, that their hearts would be new, that their affections would be placed on the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us hope, who is our hope, who shows us love, who is faithful to his promises. Because he has chosen to bestow his love upon us. He has shown his love to us in giving his life for us. That we would truly flourish. That we would be able to cry in our hearts. Not to us Lord. Not to us. But to your name be the glory. Because of your love and your faithfulness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. That you would stoop down, that you would send your son into this world to stoop down and to save us from our idols, from our sin. That we would be able to praise you with all of our hearts. So Lord, we pray that you would help us 
by the power of your spirits to adore you, to worship you, to bring you glory in every part of our lives. That you would help us uh, by your love to let go of the idols that we cling to and to fix our eyes and our hearts upon you. That we would give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.